Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Crude Audacity Podcast, the podcast that talks shop shit and all things strategy with oil patch influencers. As always, I'm your host, Catherine Mills. I'm a reservoir engineer with a focus on advanced characterization. Tonight, we are drinking 19 Crimes Wine, <laughs> the titled The Punishment, Pinot Noir, seems fitting. And this evening, we will be discussing female empowerment in the oil field. Frustrating, controversial, and oh so necessary. Now, before all you dudes go ahead and try and turn this off and tune me out, back it up a little bit, chill for a second. We are not burning bras here. When I think about how I got to where I am today, I think about the tech who taught me Aries. I think about the manager who encouraged me to push back and voice my opinion. I think about the geo who taught me log interpretation. And I think about the critic who no matter what I presented, always challenged me. There was nothing about girl code happening here. It was not gender specific, but it was always a way to push me forward. In this day and age, we're still touting girl code, but what does girl code actually mean? And had the strides made by those who've come before us, both men and women, not been successful enough in our field, or are we falling victim to a PC culture? Well, <laughs> there is a lot to discuss here, and returning for her second appearance on The Crude Audacity is one of our fearless influencers, and trust me, she is fearless for tackling this topic. She is here to discuss the conundrum of feminism in the field and how to turn this topic into a successful, crucial conversation. Amanda Rebel, welcome back to The Crude Audacity. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Are you ready for this? I am, and you just <laughs> dropped a bunch of terms that just make my skin crawl, so okay, I, can't, I can't wait to dive into some of this. That's why we're drinking. <laughs> but I will say, when we suggested this topic, you mm -hmm. were actually very keen to jump on it, whereas it would have made my skin crawl. Why? What brought you to it? You know, it's... Um, oh, God. So it's... It's certainly there's something in our culture right now, and there, there are plenty of movements that are founded in the right places. Um, you know, the, the protection of people who haven't been, who haven't been taken care of or um, the ramifications for people who have gotten away with inappropriate activity for far too long, and mm -hmm. I certainly would never say anything negative about that. But I've spent my career, um, you know, hearing some of these terms, like terms like girl code and feminism just make me just kind of physically sick. And I've had <laughs> any of my friends that would be out there listening have heard me get on my soapbox, mm -hmm. um, usually again after a glass of wine, but frequently plenty of times when I'm just over coffee about some of these topics because it's something that uh, we certainly, I think it's something that's not talked about because people are scared of it. And I agree. even, you know, it's, I think men are terrified of it because they're always the bad guys. And even women who don't agree with, um, you know, there's there's some sort of unspoken code that we're supposed to be following, mm -hmm. become ostracized for it. And exactly. so it's, it's very frustrating for me. And it's something that um, I, I frequently don't talk about because it it makes me angry. And it's, that's <laughs> not like the mature way to approach some of these topics. But um, no, I'm, I'm happy to discuss it. And I'd like to kind of delve into what your thoughts are. Well, one of the things I do want to bring up before we get really into it was you know, I'm sitting here doing a podcast. I am interviewing industry influencers. And something that's really resonated is every time I ask for who else should I be interviewing? Who else is a true influential person in our industry? Both men and women, and I'm talking like top guns, are sending me to more women to mm -hmm. the point where I had to ask for more men who are influencers in industry. 
And it made me sort of think that maybe we are further along than we get credit for. Mm -hmm. And things like modern day feminism or the girl code are ways of the PC culture holding us back. So before we jump all into it, what does feminism mean to you? And is there a place for it in the oil field? I I so deeply uh, hate that word. Um, (laughs) My feeling, and I've had this argument with my aunt, and this was many, many years ago. um, And I said, well, feminism's really stupid. And and she assured me that in her time, there was certainly sort of a push for around feminism and that that was something that was very important for her upbringing, for her culture, for her life. But in her time. In her time. I think... And, and like some of the movements now, I think that, that the, the feminist movement in the time it started absolutely had a place. It had a meaning. It mm-hmm. had a lot of power behind it. And there was a very large need for the energy absolutely. behind that movement. Um, in today's day and age, I see it representing a lot of really ugly things. Mm-hmm. I see it as a reason for um, being down on men because mm-hmm. they're men. I see it as a reason for supporting women only because they're women, not because they actually have any merits that they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, unfortunately, that that word has been misused uh, frequently in the last few decades. So it really frustrates me. I think it, it used to mean that women are going to um, have all the things that men have. You know, there's equality and et cetera. And instead, it's uh, to me now what that term means is we're going to need to hold the men down mm-hmm. a little bit harder so that we can push more women ahead. Exactly. And, and that's a zero-sum game and Mm -hmm. it it, no one wins at that I mean it's to your point I loved your intro because (laughs) it's and you know I I mean I've had supporters of both genders and so for me to say that you know feminism is the only way implies that I haven't had a a hordes of men throughout my bosses mentors Mm -hmm. co-workers you know we talked about my dad a lot last time we sat down like a lot of the people that help pave the way for me are men yeah and a lot of them are women you've Mm -hmm. also talked to uh, Ramona Graves and Jennifer Miss Kimmons who God knows you know have helped pave a harder path than I did the hardest path right but they did it with grace guts and glory absolutely no (laughs) and they and and the way in which they did it to me sets a great example but to say that you know it's only girl code and it's women for women Mm -hmm. really to me is disrespectful to the many men who over my lifetime in the last you know over a decade of my career have helped me get ahead and have helped to support and mentor and show me the right way to be so that's that's why I struggle with that term in particular (laughs) it doesn't seem to me to have a place for it um you know there's there's absolutely still work to be done but I I disagree that um, only supporting women actually helps all of us get ahead Mm mm-hmm No, I definitely agree with that. Um, Something that's kind of interesting is you hear these horror stories from Mm -hmm. the good old boy days, and they're still continuing today. I mean, there's no denying it. We hear about the women who are hired as engineers, but they are treated as secretaries, or women don't support other women uh, because they don't want the younger, brighter, new generation coming in. Mm But when I was getting trained, and this is probably honestly one of the reasons I'm single and still swiping left on Bumble, but (laughs) when I'm looking at my day-to-day in the field and in the firm, I'm not looking at the person. I'm looking at the engineer. I'm looking at the tech. I'm looking at someone who has knowledge to transfer. And like you, the reason I have excelled isn't only because of women. It is because of men who saw something in me. And I can guarantee you it's not because I was a girl and they just needed me to fill a quota. So why did this movement turn into what it is, especially today? Because the good old boy nature tends to have a negative connotation, but I don't know that it was all negative. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, you said a couple things there. Like, I think 
my boss tells me this because we talk about Canadians and Canadians <laughs> are stereotyped as being some of the nicest people and I and he's Canadian with and donuts I, and, yeah, they're donuts so happy. and they're so happy so <laughs> happy and uh, and yeah and and I, and I brought this up with him once and I'm like all the Canadians are nice he's like no it's just a statistic it's a percentage thing so <laughs> so there's and you know if my parents are listening here just skip through but there's a percentage of people that are just assholes yeah and because and my boss's theory is that because there are fewer people in Canada by the the asshole by capita percentage is lower. So a lot of these, so that, that's like his theory and it is a joke, but like- I love it. But like a, across any industry, across mm-hmm. any field, you're going to have a percentage of people who are going to cut any throat that they can to get ahead, mm-hmm. who are gonna treat people poorly, who are going to hire people that they think that they can push down instead exactly. of hiring people that are smarter than them, that would make their teams better, that would yeah. help them all grow. And I don't think that that's a gender exclusive trait. I think yeah. that, that, that people being assholes, assholes are gonna be assholes. genders. And and, and I and I certainly you know and, and again you know not to to disparage or to overlook the fact that there have been gender related issues and in both directions you know mm-hmm. we've seen you know we've seen women treat other women or other men poorly just in the same regard but I think that that is a gender neutral situation for people to be that way. Oh, I've um, heard scandalous stories. There are scandalous <laughs> stories. To me, uh, you know, I, when I think about stories from my history. I actually always thought being female was an advantage because when I went to go work um, on the rig on the on the slope when I was in Alaska, um, the other male engineers that went to the rigs kind of had to go through this like alpha contest with yeah. the guys on the rigs. So like, and uh, you know the, people know these stories like finding the key to the V door or um, you know one of the hands would have them hold a sack of Barrett over their head sort of as a show of strength. What's the air test they do? I, I don't know. <laughs> they go out and they catch air samples they, yep, with a trash bag. Yep. I'm sorry, dudes, if you're doing that, you're a moron. <laughs> well, so, but to me, the big advantage was no one asked me to hold a sack of barite because you hold the sack of barite to show you're strong and then they cut it and they dump the barite on your head, right? So it's, it's this very <laughs> alpha the, thing. It's, it's the rig it's hands. Hazing. It's hazing. And it's the rig hands wanting to show some dude engineer that he's not all that smart. As a girl, they kind of just ignored me. And I think that, you know, for whatever reason, they don't know why I'm here. Yeah. They think I'm lost. They And so they don't want to be, like, they don't want to engage in, in any way that might get them in trouble. So just ignore you, which to me was hugely advantageous because I'm not good at the alpha test and I would have spent weeks looking for the key to the V-door and never found it and just looked like an <laughs> idiot. And so instead it gave me the opportunity to kind of get to know these people yeah. in a real way and to earn respect and to ask questions. And so instead of having to come out and sort of, you know, do this arm wrestling contest, um, I felt that I was sort of exempt from that. And mm-hmm. so I saw that as a huge advantage. Like, yeah. you know, I'd rather be ignored and then force people to like engage with me in a way that's meaningful mm-hmm. than to sort of like have to play the game. And so to me, that was there. That was always upside. And, you know, there have been people who have ignored me or who have who have, have talked, you know, I have I've gotten comments like kind of smart ass stuff on location, and I in my experience the best way to handle any of that is to smart ass right back. Oh, absolutely. And and to show them that you're here to play too, and this is you know I, I understand the game that I'm in for. I understand that frequently there's going to be one bathroom on location, and I'm going to be sharing it with everybody else. Oh yeah. And that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's and so I think that people get a better response, and, and women get a better response if you show up and you're like, hey, I understand that you know there might be a small percentage of people like me on location, mm-hmm. but that's not going to limit me, and that's not. Going to hold me back mm-hmm. and the, you know my one of my many soapbox things that friends have heard from me over the years is that I don't want to be a great female engineer I want to be a great engineer exactly right so my, my position is that as soon as you preface your your title or um, your um, your achievements with your gender with anything then you're actually telling the world that hey this is a handicap of mine mm-hmm. and you know I'm a female engineer and so you're you're prefacing who you are and what you do 
with this perceived handicap. Exactly. That's never been a handicap for Mm-mm. me. I don't see it that way. And so <laughs> I refuse to present myself to the world that way. And that is how I would encourage other people to see it as well is, you know, present your skill set, present what you've done and yeah. don't, don't act as though there's any limitation on it because that's not, I think as a community, and I think that this is what like the feminist community and, and whatnot is attempting and mm-hmm. I don't dare speak for them, but, <laughs> but you'll get emails. If yeah, you speak I'm, for I'm sure I'm going to get emails. <laughs> I don't have Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Please don't find me. Um, y'all can text me. I'll take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that, I think that actually what, what they're trying to do is, is to promote that. But when you, when you preface it with, with your gender, you're telling people like, Hey, like it's harder this way. Yeah. And, and I don't believe that. Mm-mm. So that's that's been my experience. Well, do you think it's a re- or evolved out of the more PC culture we're seeing across the nation in general? And I know we tend to get lower 48-centric mm-hmm. in the oil field, but the reality is, is we are so intertwined internationally. And I got to say, from my international counterparts, there's like no mercy in the field. Right. They don't really care who you think you are. You're there to play. Yep. Why are we seeing a PC culture introduced oh, into ours? Well, because because our country is so soft now. Like we actually have no struggles in the United States. Oh, like, first world like problems. None. Like nothing is wrong. Basic I, bitch I have problems. Truly, never had a bad day ever compared to ninety nine percent of the globe. And so, you know, I think that I don't think we struggle enough. So I think we need something to be upset about. Mm-hmm. And it's certainly a kinder, gentler oil field. And and again, you know, we it talk really about like is. Graves and yeah. Miss Kimmins. And so there have certainly been times where, and, and even like we joke about OSHA and safety first, but like there have been times when like changes in regulation and changes in rules and softening and things was absolutely necessary in order to open up the marketplace for, for better talent and for broader talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that locally we've overcorrected a little bit. <laughs> and so it's it's become a little bit too much of that culture around, you know, kind of overdoing it and being, you know, very, very kid gloves and how are you feeling and let's mm-hmm. talk through that. And, you know, it's... That's sort of, that's cross culture with a lot of our industry. Mm -hmm. And there are ways in which I like to see our industry grow up a little bit. We've talked about data analytics and all the technology that's available to us that we seem blind to, even though the rest of the world's taking it on. But some of it, we we seem to overcorrect. And so that's sort of my estimation of it. Like Mm -hmm. there are certainly some things that, that needed to change and that have been adjusted. But from, again, from where I sit, like those corrections have been made and now it's on an individual level for you to go out and take advantage of the opportunities that have been presented to you. And the, the overcorrection of our industry and of our culture as a whole is, is kind of this whole separate macro that is just going to continue to happen. But we have to be successful within, you know, within the rules that have already been freed for us. Mm-hmm. Well, I know someone's driving in their car and absolutely cringing, thinking that we're anti-female. So for the sake of the crucial conversation, mm-hmm. let's go back to something I was kind of hitting on earlier is I've heard horror stories. I know you probably have as well. Can you take us through what you've heard versus probably what has evolved out of it? Maybe maybe a successful horror story to mm-hmm. positive story. Um, that's a good question. I don't have a lot of like real I guess I'll put it this way. Like the the things that I have heard over the years are either uh, false not mm-hmm. even not even false it's really? like it's kind of one of two things so like if you talk about like um like inappropriateness mm-hmm. on location or whatever in my experience that is a two-way street and so i have heard I a lot i do not disagree i have heard a lot of stories of oh this you know this guy 
you know, like, or there was a relationship and it's like, okay, well that, that relationship has two sides. So I refuse to believe that like mm-hmm. any one of those people is objectified unnecessarily. And then some of the other things, and especially from the office side, whenever there's been this sort of friction between, you know, a, a, a manager and a worker of opposite genders, mm-hmm. when you boil down that friction, it's actually the same friction that you would have between any two people that don't get along or, I would be- agree. or between a, a bad manager who disrespects an underling mm-hmm. or an underling who is insubordinate, insubordinate to the manager. Yeah. And so it, I think a lot of those things boil down to some of the same problems, mm-hmm. but at some point in there, and this is part of our culture and this is part of how we see it. Somebody asks the question of, Oh, well, would you still be talking to him if he was this or if she would her if she was not a man or what, you know, whatever. And so I think that we introduce that element and, and I don't know if that angle is always entirely necessary. I agree. So that's that's sort of what I've seen. And and again, not to discount the horror stories, because there have certainly been There's some ugly that are things very that happen. True, but but I thank think, God for people who have made strides to make them and less frequent. You know, and I think, you know, in, in those instances, I mean, you got to stick up for yourself. Like it's, oh, shit, yeah. it, it really is like those comments on location. I came on, uh, on a <laughs> frack once and, and the treater came up and asked me why I wasn't wearing high heels. And, uh, oh snap! <laughs> and I was like, you know, they just sink into the sand so bad. I just can't get around location as well. So I like the boots. And his manager was actually standing with us, and he pulled me aside later. He's like, I'm so sorry that guy is gone. I was like, please don't do that. Mm. Like that sets the wrong precedent for everybody on location. That, exactly. That they can't actually. And I, I ended up spending the next couple of weeks on a frack in the van next to that guy. Good. And we build a rapport, and you know, we and so, but it, as soon as so to me, it's like, yeah, like send something back. Like no need to get this guy sent off location because my feelers got hurt. Like show him that I'm here to, to, to earn the respect of the team on their grounds. And so that would be, that's sort of my take on some of that is, and, and if something that's truly inappropriate happens, you owe it to yourself to, to take it to the right person and to stick up for yourself and to take the actions necessary. Exactly. And I kind of like that you gave that example because I've run into a few of those situations and it's never someone being inappropriate. Mm-hmm. It usually has to do with how they've communicated throughout their life. Yep. And he was just giving you shit. Yep. If you had been a man, he probably would have given it a little bit harder. Yep. So the fact that you just kind of gave it right back to him, there's no point to dismiss that. You just have to learn how to play the game. And it's totally a gray area. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's establishing boundaries. Like, sure, you can talk shit. I'm going to talk shit back. And like, here's my line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and everybody has a different place for their line and a different level of inappropriateness that they're willing to joke about. And you have to define that and you have to communicate that, that clearly. Let me be clear. Let me be clear. <laughs> and that is true in your work life. That is true in your personal relationships. That is true across your life. Like you, you draw the lines and you teach other people mm-hmm. how you will let them treat you. If we really believed in feminism, we would get th- rid of things like online dating. I mean, let's oh. be honest. <laughs> I can't say I like to dabble in that very much. That kind of horrifies me as well. Oh, really? I, uh, yeah, don't look for me on Bumble. We will, um, we'll, do it, we'll do another podcast on that. <laughs> well, let's talk about PC culture and feminism across disciplines, mm-hmm. because that is something that I got to say, like just being an engineer, I've had more men lift me up and more women tear me down. Mm-hmm. And it's usually older women who are more established and they are just, I, I, I hate to use this phrasing, but it almost feels like they are threatened by the, the younger person, mm. not the younger prettier, just the younger person because they work so hard to get into the role they are. So are we seeing it happen in sales? Are we seeing it happen in geo? Mm. Are we seeing it happen in engineering? Or is it just like a sales culture type yeah. thing? Like, hey, I'm the only girl putting up this bid. 
you should buy from me, mm-hmm. which no. It's well, and it's really unfortunate that you've had that experience where you've had someone that's you know older than you, more experienced mm-hmm. than you. That's that rather than just being a supportive manager feels that because you're both women, she actually needs to like see you as a threat in some way, shape, or form. Oh yeah. But it wasn't just me. I mean, it was resonated across several women. So, I mean, this was confirmed. This wasn't just an ego trip. Yeah. That's unfortunate. It's, and and again, like that's to me as an individual thing, like, can you, can you broadly coach that out of people? And Mm -hmm. I I don't think that's the case. I've also had a male manager be very anti-female and also because I am loud by nature. I'm sorry. I'm Italian and from Mississippi. (laughs) So... Uh, they don't it seems to be a cultural thing as well yeah not everybody likes the loud-spoken girl who's like hey why'd you do it that way yeah (laughs) and that's uh, i don't know and i think that goes back to like this there's just a percentage of people that you're not going to reach exactly in terms of it being across discipline i mean i don't i don't know if you can really um lock in that certain people are a certain way um there are certainly disciplines that women infiltrated a little faster in our industry Mm -hmm. um I can tell you that about the worst way that I've found for people to connect with me is to walk in and go, hey, I'm a girl, let's work together. I know, I don't like that at all. It's, I, <laughs> I think it is just as wrong to promote or support or to buy from someone because they're a woman mm-hmm. as it is to not promote or support because they're a woman. To me, that is Two equal levels of discriminatory. So like, I will, I will support and mentor and raise you up because you are capable and you bust your butt mm-hmm. and, and you're here to work and you're here to learn. Yes. And I don't care if you're a dude or a chick or a green Crayola. Like it's, it's, the green it's not Crayola. Green That's Crayola. awesome. <laughs> Never know. People identify the green, green M- Crayolas. The green M&M was female. It, just it, FYI. That's, that's a good point. I forgot about that. But no, it's, it, it's, it's regardless, regardless of, of the gender question. I mm-hmm. mean, the people that have raised me up are people that saw that in me mm-hmm. and, and that's like the, the, the branch I would want to extend to everybody. But coming in and saying, I mean, being female is not a personality characteristic like it, it just is so show me something else mm-hmm. like give me give me some fire give me some passion give me some ambition and that's so the people that that I that I hope to surround myself with are those types of people regardless of whether they're female or male and mm-hmm. I think lifting up someone just by you know just by the um just by way of their gender is just as negative as holding them down for the same reason where do we get it wrong where do Ooh. females mess this up because y- I, I know we're not going to reach everyone. I know right. someone's in their car getting road rage from this conversation, yeah. but I want, it, I want it <laughs> to be a crucial conversation. I want it to be one that starts instead of how do we stay fit on rig? Well, maybe let's have some sort of conversation about why we got there to begin with. Where think, do we get it wrong? I think I've frequently have found that, uh, that the mistakes that I've seen, and I've and I've made some of these. Like, let, let's make no mistake. And I've been in the business for oh, I've manipulated years, tons of situations. And I've <laughs> and I've I've made the wrong move more than once. Yeah. Um. So like, I didn't I didn't come out of this with this particular thesis, but um, you know, I, I see two two big dynamics. I see women coming out as extremely aggressive, mm-hmm. um, demeaning even, uh, especially on locations. Demeaning is a good word. and and yeah. I think that the impression is. I think people go out feeling like they're going to be underestimated or undervalued. And so they want to come out and swing for the fences. And the best way to establish power and dominance mm-hmm. is by tearing down everybody around you and being like, look, I'm the lead bitch mm-hmm. and I'm in charge. It's HBIC. And it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it definitely gets people's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will get people to work, but I don't think it earns respect. I think Correct. it's, I think it, um, 
and especially the demeaning stuff. Like people, yeah. no one responds well to being talked down to. Nobody, nobody, if you can get people to respect you and mm -hmm. want to be on your team, they will go anywhere for you. And I completely they believe that. They will pull as hard as they can and then some. Mm -hmm. If you come out being excessively harsh to people and overly aggressive because you're overcompensating for some, and it's a confidence thing. Like you feel like you come out and thing. you don't, you don't know something. And this is, this can be established as engineers as a whole is you come out and you're scared. You don't know something and somebody's going to find out. And so in <laughs> order to prevent them from discovering you, yeah. you come out with all the bluster and all the noise and, and you bowl people over and, and people will work that way, but people only work that way for so long. Correct. And so I think that that's one of the, the, the big failings and the other end of it I see is sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. And it's the bat my eyes, you know, oh, kind of cute, the cute. And I think that, I think that I actually don't really understand exactly why maybe this is like a, a defense mechanism or it's a, a skill set that, that girls learn at some point that boys don't learn, but you come <laughs> out and this is, it's like everyone, I mean, I have yet to be on a location with more than like two women on it, drilling or frack or flowback for that matter, like, yeah. or complete like productions, you know? And so it's, it's like everyone already knows that there's a girl on location. Like, oh, everyone knows. Like, <laughs> you didn't need to do your makeup or style your hair around your hard hat. Like, we all know you're a girl. And so, and and again, batting your eyes and like giggling and whatever other techniques that will get you attention. Yeah. Trust me, um, that will get people to work for you. But it doesn't get people to work for you for the right reasons or for the long haul. And so both of these instances, you're going to get people's attention, whether you're screaming at them or flirting with them. Mm -hmm. And they're going to help for a bit, but it's not going to actually build those relationships that you actually yes, want. Exactly. And the long-term dedication the long -term stuff. got your back. And and especially and especially the office side. Like you really don't want to get you don't want to be known as as either of those individuals. You can be strong mm -hmm. and you can be tough mm -hmm. without being you know, overbearingly aggressive. And this is, this is men and women. Like mm -hmm. I've, I've watched men talk down to people too, and it, it shuts them off. Like they will, if you talk down to somebody, they will do the absolute listed task for them, but they're not doing it for you. They're doing no. it because they have to. They do it because they're hitting a time card. Yeah. And if you, you know, to, to be an effective leader, to be an effective manager, to be an effective teammate, it is all about showing that you're here to participate. You're mm -hmm. here to learn. That, and that's, I mean, you go to location and I keep talking about location, but, and you start asking I think questions, it matters, though. but like you start asking questions of these guys and you know, you go to a rig, right? And a lot of these tool pushers are still, they've been doing their jobs longer than I've been alive. Yeah. They know, I don't know what I'm doing. Like <laughs> they know, secret. <laughs> they know that I'm out of college, like two years. Like, yeah. so, so me going out and pretending to like bark orders is just so absurd and they know it's absurd and you get so much further with anybody ever. And this is at any level, office field, anywhere. If you come in and start asking them questions about their job and what do they do and what are their concerns mm -hmm. and where do they see, you know, problems with the project? Mm -hmm. How can I help you? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you, what gap do you need me to fill? Exactly. And, and do show you need a secretary to follow you what, around because that's yeah. how I'm going to learn. That's how, like whatever, whatever you need me to do to help the team and show that, that you are here to earn the respect. 
that gets people's attention for the mm-hmm. right reasons. Hundred percent. And and then you you build this team and you build this quality of people. Who, you find your people. You find your people. You find your tribe, right? And yeah. it's And you find the people that are willing to to lay down for you in the same way that you'll lay down for them. And it's that's when the long hours happen. And that's when the late phone calls work and all that. And at least they call you. Yeah. I mean, you give them a reason to call you. Yeah. You don't. And that's so to me. That's that's the that's the relationship in the team building that you really want. And I think that. For, for reasons either of confidence or fear or, or some somewhere in between those two places. I think that that's, that's where I've seen women, I feel, mm-hmm. kind of missed up historically. And that's where I've screwed up historically is, is, is one of those two regions. But I do love how you, what you were just talking about and the ways to be successful finding your team. Because everything you were talking about mm-hmm. just there, gender neutral. Totally. did not matter. It totally. was someone with curiosity. Mm-hmm. However, I will admit that I am one of the girls who has put on fake eyelashes on my first <laughs> few days on location, and it didn't help. Don't but do it. I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't. I've resist, been down, resist the urge. I've I, been down that <laughs> damn road, and it was like, damn it. <laughs> and then you're like, everyone notices that I've got these fake eyelashes on. Oh, God. Like, oh, no. Everyone was aware. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows. Um, so something you hit on, confidence. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorite subjects might make people cringe, but I really love it. It's called big dick energy. Mm -hmm. And I think it transcends. It's like calling a woman, a stud, a player. I think it's such a compliment because it, that is a gender neutral statement. That means like you came to play, you dominated and everyone noticed big dick energy to me are those individuals that have the ability to walk into the room and they assume a presence. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's how every gender moves forward successfully in the yeah. oil field. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts of how women or new grads or new male engineers who mm-hmm. don't quite know where they fit on the spectrum just yet, and they're probably getting haze. Yeah. How do they work to have that self-awareness to assume that energy and to assume that leadership? Absolutely. No, that's a great question. I, I love the word presence. Presence is like the corporate leadership term that I'm sure that all the coaches would tell you. You're so much it's, better than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you, you can, it's, but it, it, I absolutely love that term. And I even, I love the image it conjures. Yeah. And you can just tell when somebody walks into the room and has it. And it actually applies. I think that there's a, a, a misnomer about that, that it has to be this like extroverted, loud energy. It has to be the yeah. person that comes in and greets people in the room. See, be- that irritates me when but, I see that. And see, and I see, I see it just as much in someone who comes in quietly. It's like the, you know, be, speak softly and carry a big stick. Right. Yeah. And some of the most powerful Roosevelt. leaders I've met. <laughs> yeah. Some of the most powerful leaders I've met are the ones who like come to the table in the conference room mm-hmm. And, you know, someone poses a question, there's a lot of talking and all the young engineers are talking over each other mm-hmm. and everybody wants to be heard and everybody wants the boss to hear that they had a great idea. Yeah. And the boss will speak absolutely last if he speaks at all. Right. And it's, it's sort of, it's, it's, and what, what a leader, what a good leader does in that situation is he shows that he wants everybody to be heard and yes. he asks questions to understand where everybody else is coming from. Correct. And he, he wants everyone's opinions on the table. And even though... Because that's the best solutioning. That's the best solution. And, and a good leader knows that his word can be the final word. Mm-hmm. And so he's very careful about laying that out. Because a lot of times, once once the final word gets laid out, then everybody else falls in line. And so, you, But you kind of need the dissenters. You need the people that are going, wait, let's keep asking questions. Let's keep challenging these paradigms, because that's how we all get better. Um, in terms of how do, you, how do you attain presence, I think it's all about humility. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I think that that is from day one to day one hundred to day one million, or you know, to, to retirement mm-hmm. in in a leadership or in a management or in, in any team role, and that means uh, asking the stupid question. Yeah, don't be afraid to ask. Don't it. be afraid. Everybody in the room is thinking it, and there has never been a time where you know you hear. I either hear someone ask a question I was scared to ask, or I finally pipe up, and it's like you feel the relief in the room mm-hmm. when when someone is actually you know who brought something to the table that everybody else was scared to bring up. So to me, it's a big piece of humility. It's being willing to let everyone around you contribute and mm-hmm. participate and teach you. And I think engineers as a whole, we come out of college being told that we are just the smartest. Oh my God, we're going to do all the things (laughs) in the world. And so you go into your first meeting and your first, your, you know, first project and you think you're expected to know everything and we don't know anything. Yeah. And, and the best way in which to earn that sense of, that sense of your own sense of confidence Mm -hmm. is really to, to um, adopt a sense of humility and to ask questions and to sit down with people that you don't work with a lot Mm -hmm. and go, what do you do? Like, tell, take me, really, what is your job? Seriously, you just talked about something that I have no idea. (laughs) I mean, actually, and I did this today, uh, one of our exploration geos, who's just, is such a rock jock and she's brilliant, but <laughs> a rock she, jock. She, rock oh jock, my god, I love that. Jock. But she's she's one of those people who lives for geology, and we spent a lot of time talking about like thermal imaging and all of this stuff and things that I really never dove into before. Yeah, she spends a lot of her day on this. We share offices, like we have adjoining offices, and we talk about workouts and coffee, but we never actually talk about what do you do? And so we really? actually spent some time doing that mm-hmm. today, just sort of by accident. And it was wonderful. And I came away, you know, maybe an iota smarter yeah. and it kind of <laughs> opens that door. And I think that, you know, and, and so all of those little pieces, once you realize that like no one gets fired for asking the dumb question, it gives you a lot of confidence to come into any room, mm-hmm. whether it's a coworker, a boss, a subordinate and, and ask whatever you need to know. And once you start breaking down those confidence barriers, mm-hmm. I mean, if you can get a really, truly transparent team and organization where everybody's willing to just ask anything that they need to ask, then, I mean, that's so powerful, right? You, you so stop much that, gets solved. So much gets solved. You lose a lot of your blind spots. And I think that it raises everybody up. So then everybody can come into that room with their own presence because mm-hmm. no one is the dumb guy on the totem pole. Like no one's the low man. Everybody is, is an equal or a peer in some way where they can all bring these questions. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, but I mean, on an individual level, I think that's how you build presence is you start with this humility and you start building this confidence that you have the resources and you have the ability to reach out and ask all of these resources. So you already, you have all of the knowledge. You don't need to contain it in your own person or your hard drive or wherever your like <laughs> secret stash of knowledge is kept. Like you build it within these network, of, this network of people. And as I've gone through my career, as I've built these networks, it, it crosses companies and the people that I've met from my first job to my most recent are people that I can call on and say, yeah. Hey, I've still got a dumb question. And because you build up that relationship, they're willing to answer it. And that's, that's where all of that comes from. Well, where did we lose the ability to have these crucial conversations, to not be afraid to treat the janitor as well as we treat the CEO mm-hmm. and, you know, <laughs> the new production engineer come in, come into the room and not have to act like a complete, right. you know, buffoon trying to get his words heard. So where did we lose the ability to have crucial conversations oh, and man. how do we get back there? I don't know if we ever had the ability to have crucial conversations. I mean, it's uncomfortable and people shy away from like, uncomfortable. I, I think that, I think, in, again, an engineer coming out of school, I didn't take any social science courses. No one, no one, there was no leadership class. There was no... You didn't go to a frat party? 
Uh, yeah, that's pretty much social that was, science. That was social science. That was like, um, that was like the social science gauntlet, right? <laughs> and and that that made I mean, but like that version, honestly, yeah. like that teaches you how to survive. Yeah. So you can survive. I guess you know, that's true. A yeah. big company because you you've learned that, but to thrive in it, you know, you kind of need someone to teach you that it's okay to ask the dumb question and you don't teach it by going, Hey, welcome to wherever it's your first day. Here's your laptop. Here's mm-hmm. your key fob. That's not going to work for four days. Um, cause you're not registered yet or whatever. And okay. And you're then by the way, yeah, and then by the way, make sure you ask hard questions, right? Like no one, and that, that's not how you teach that. You teach that by being one of the coworkers or one of the leaders in the room mm-hmm. who does it yeah, and who shows that this is a safe place to, and that's, there's, there's a millennial PC term, safe spaces, but, um, <laughs> but like, you need, I almost didn't catch yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. That you need, you need those people that are in that space who are willing, who are willing to do that and kind mm-hmm. of lead by example. Um, in terms of in terms of how you treat people, I mean, and this this might be you know a, a side effect of our culture, but I actually was just having this conversation today where people seem to think that like wealth is a personality characteristic, and and what so what do you mean though? Meaning like this is a whole nother this chip probably on not, your shoulder type. It's thing? not even I, I guess as I've moved through the world, I've met people that are very well off who just treat everyone like people. Like yeah. you just treat people like people. You know what and it then, is? Money speaks wealth whispers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I like that. Mm-hmm. No. And that's, and so I think, and then you, you meet the people that are doing better than anybody else in the room. And so they do kind of, they do kind of look down on people and they, and they, um, and I mean, that's something that has nothing, uh, it's not industry specific. That's just something yeah. that you see out in the world. But I mean, it, the, I was raised that people are people and, mm-hmm. and, and another story about my dad, right. Is he, he told me that, you know, you go onto a rig and you've got one of the guys rolling pipe who, you know, has just started or, you know, he's been there for a few months and he might never ascend through the ranks of his company, but he's going to know the most about the tasks he's doing. Exactly. And if you want to learn more about it and you want to learn what's broken about it, that's the guy you've got to ask. Mm-hmm. You don't ask the engineer who built the rig. You mm-hmm. ask the guy who's actually working on it day in, day out. And you have to respect the opinions of everybody within the organization. And the guys closest to the wellhead are going to understand the most about why some of those equipment failures happened. And everybody's got their piece and their part to play. And you, you just can't overlook someone because you don't respect their degree or you don't respect their background or you've decided that they're beneath you somehow. That's mm-hmm. to me is just so ridiculous and ostentatious. <laughs> you, you've got to take, you got to take everyone in and, and yeah. try to hear everyone and show everyone that I hate, I'm here to listen. I'm willing to listen. Let's all learn together. We're on the same team and unit and not everybody's going to kumbaya circle up with you, but the people that do become that group that you take forward with you all the time. Exactly. No, I completely agree with that because every position on that rig and in that field is an important one from the pumper to the CEO Mm -hmm. because their roles and responsibilities help you do your job better. Yep. And that's what we're looking for is how to optimize. Yep. But there are some difficult I guess, environments, mm-hmm. especially in uh, not necessarily smaller companies. I would say you see this more across majors, you know, those that are slower to transition. Mm-hmm. So for the young female engineer who might be in a more difficult situation, but is still like hauling ass to make sure she earns that seat at the table, what advice do you have for her? Bringing it back to feminism. Bringing <laughs> it back to feminism. I think... I mean, really, it's it's a lot of the same advice around presence. It's, you know, come in with humility, earn respect to the people around you, mm-hmm. and and earn respect by showing that you want to learn. Um, that to me has been 
one of the best things that I've carried with me in my career is always being willing to learn something new. Mm-hmm. Um, try to learn from everybody at the company and not just the people that you think are, are going to let you ride their coattails to the top, but learn from people cross-discipline. Mm-hmm. Learn from people that do something that you think is super boring. <laughs> like take a second and, and understand it because that, that gives you, it gives you a lot of breadth in, in a new role and it, I mean, it gives you a lot of power because I I think I've found over the years that, you know, you start to build those relationships and it doesn't have to be you buddying up with everybody. It's, you know, you find that if you just ask somebody, Hey, how's your day going? Like, what's, what's, what are you struggling with at work? Mm -hmm. And not because I can help you, but just because you might need to vent that builds a, a relationship. It builds a network. And if that same person, like three years later comes across you, those conversations have a lot of impact on people and those impressions have, have a lasting effect. And so I think it's taking a genuine interest in understanding the people that work around you and respecting what they do for a living Mm -hmm. and trying to learn a little bit about everything of it. To me, that's, that's the biggest piece of advice. Um, there's, there's going to be assholes everywhere. Sorry. Correct. Like, welcome to the world. This is like, <laughs> this is just life no now. There's no PC culture. There, this is just life now. So we can all march and we can all protest, but I guarantee there's going to be a guy at the coffee shop tomorrow that like shoulders past you and doesn't apologize. Like exactly. life is hard. I'm very sorry, <laughs> but like, it's not, it, it, it's, it's, you have to kind of rise above a lot of that. It's a sense of self-assuredness that I think takes practice to mm-hmm. accomplish. It certainly did for me, um, to get to a point where I have, what I know and I have the things I'm good at and that that's all I can do. And Mm -hmm. so you, you keep fostering that in yourself and you continue to reach out to those around you and just learn, 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 learn. Like that's that just learn more, try to reach outside every day of the place in which you're most secure and your knowledge Mm -hmm. and, and learn a little something that was scary for you before and just expand that. that, that, that to me is the best thing you could do. Well, to your point, the reality is, is there's no law against bad bosses and mm-hmm. bad management. And that can happen with a female, that can happen with the male. And the worst combination that exists in any industry is fat, lazy, and arrogant. <laughs> yeah. So in five years, where do you see, because I, I kind of almost already feel like women have taken over this industry, uh-huh. um, but we are seeing more women assume CEO roles, entrepreneurship. We have a female super major CEO, which is like freaking amazing, more international presence than we can even imagine. So where do you see females and where do you hope to see feminism in the oil field in the next five years? So I really hope we do away with the word feminism. I I hope the Oxford (laughs) English Dictionary strikes it and replaces it with some absurd like millennial FOMO term or something. Um, (laughs) I know. I think it's great. You're talking about Vicki Holm. But yeah, she is head of a super major so, she has made the biggest deal of the century yeah no she has she's and it's, she's a stud she's a stud she is and there's no <laughs> way around it and i hope so to me it's i mean you, you go down the years it's a pipeline issue right mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's fostering you don't you don't walk into a college like freshman classroom and like go hey we need more women in here like you're too late like if you want <laughs> if you want more vickies you start at like a young age and that's when i was a kid there was you mean elementary school thought, yeah, stem and i mean it, it starts at home even you know my folks never once implied that i shouldn't do more science or math things like that was that was never I, I have no memory of that in my in my life right <laughs> and 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 that was god that was 30 years ago uh, anyway um <laughs> but I think that as time has gone on there's been less and less and less stigma mm-hmm. around 
you know, women getting into these industries that historically are less attractive for women. Um, there's something in the Wall Street Journal last weekend about how the percentage of college graduates are, are becoming more and more predominantly female, that there's actually more women graduating colleges. Uh -huh. So the pipeline is, yeah, and it starts at a young age and you start putting these people into these technical disciplines. And so by the time you get a woman who is a 10 or 20 year engineer, people that are looking for board seats, people that are getting into C-suites, uh -huh. that pipeline is becoming more and more predominantly women. So instead of it being, you know, there's this, this calling now for, oh, we need more CEOs that are females or we need more women on boards. Now you're talking about this, okay, just pick whoever, as long as it's a chick. Uh -huh. And that to me is the wrong That's reason. That's the wrong reason. Um, but bad it's, KPIs. It's, it's bad. Bad, bad KPIs, and so, but it's definitely culturally the way that we're trending. What I see in the coming five to ten years is that that pipeline gets to a point where you have so many qualified candidates mm -hmm. of all genders and of all races and of all walks of life that you get to pick the best candidates without having to worry about oh well you know tisk tisk we need a certain percentage of women sitting in these roles. So it's fantastic that that there are women that are you know more and more of them in leadership roles, but it is really a function of. You know, they're, they're being educated and they're being raised up over decades of their lifetimes to be prepared for that. And mm -hmm. so I think as, as time goes on, you're going to see that trend improve. Um, it's, and it, it's just a question of, you want to hire the best people. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't want to hire, well, who's, who's the best chick that we can get in here? You mm -hmm. want to hire the best people. Like that should be every firm's goal is to put the smartest, the brightest, the most ambitious, whatever that your qualities that you've picked are. But, you know, being female isn't, like a characteristic that you work on. Like it's, you know, it's like, it's not, it's, you have Lucky to be you, good at other win. stuff. You're, yeah. You're already there. So it's, you know, so that to me, I mean, that's, that's where it's going. And it's, and I know a ton of, of qualified people, male and female in, in my age group in our industry who are sort of at the cusp of being, you know, real leaders and real managers of the rising titans, the, the rising titans of these big international companies, as long as the industry doesn't continue to get hammered. But well, I have one <laughs> question a... for you that I did not prepare you for, but oh, you, know I, you know I like my curveballs. You do like them. Okay. Maternity leave and paternity <laughs> leave. Such a controversial topic, but here's what I've found. Every female who is type A or even type B just, you know, might not lead the room, but they're definitely getting their shit done. Mm -hmm. They want the option of maternity leave. However, they really don't leave. Mm -hmm. And yet you see so much happening across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. This company doesn't allow me. I had to work. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And I just don't see that happening. So is that another push on the wrong version of feminism? Uh, yeah. It, I mean, that's a culture thing. I have a, a dear friend of mine who lived in Norway for a while uh, working for... The fancy maternity uh, leave. And, and, and they're like, please just like quit the company for three years and raise your kid. Like, And, they, and, and they're the same with their vacation policy. Hmm. You get a lot of vacation and people are really encouraged to go and take it. Yeah. And that's that's cultural. I mean, I, you know, and, and back home here... In the U.S., you know, you have a certain number of vacation days. I've taken like one vacation in my entire career where I truly did not have access to a cell phone. Exactly. Right. So even when I take a vacation, and my sister who recently finished her maternity leave, she had twin boys not too long ago. Well, damn. And, and even <laughs> then, she was trying really hard to be switched off, but felt that you know she's just going to check a couple emails yeah. here or there. And it's. I think it helps keep you sane. It's, I'm not I don't lie. know. Like, and I, I agree with you because I think I'm just so addicted to work. But yeah. But to me, that that. It, that is a culture thing like by company and okay. then and then also something that's wider across our country like mm -hmm. it's 
Um, I actually listened to a podcast today. Um, it's How I Built This, and they did um, they covered Stitch Fix and this woman who started really? Stitch Fix. Really, I like Stitch Fix. And she had it's it's an interesting story, but she talks about a little bit about her maternity leave, and mm-hmm. she makes a comment where she says, "I took my 16 weeks, which is like the government number, which yeah. is much smaller than other countries if you start looking at statistics." But um, but she says, I took my full 16 weeks. And the guy goes, well, but you know, you were checking. And she's a CEO of Stitch Fix. Yeah. And you're know, you checking. And she's like, you know, I did a couple events that were like only the CEO could be the right presence at. She's like, I really like tried to switch off. And her whole point was, I wanted to set the example. Yeah. So that I wanted other people to know that if they needed to take this time or that, that it's not that they needed, but if, if they got pregnant and like they were going through this life event, mm-hmm. that they had the full support to be completely switched off. Mm-hmm. And so what I've seen from, and I have, I mean, all of my friends are married with kids. What I've seen primarily. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> yeah. So what I've seen primarily is that, you know, there are, there are, the opposite ends of the spectrum. You get people who get way more than the alleged you know, legal yeah. time or whatever. And then you get people who get the time and they end up working a little early. Yeah. And, you know, I've known women who, you know, attorneys who are closing a deal five days after they had their second kid. And so they're in the office. They're badass. Was that right? And I admire that. But I'm like, was that their call because they wanted exactly. to be at the head of the deal? Was their boss pressuring them? Like, I don't know the situation in those circumstances. And then you see people who are able to completely shut off and whose bosses encourage them to take more time. So that is a very by company culture mm-hmm. kind of question. And and the paternity leave thing is as well. And I've known a lot of men in our industry who have taken off. I do too. Their time I to actually home, know quite a few. Which which I think is great because I think that in the same way that, you know, if we want gender equality in our, in our industry, then we should want it in our homes too. Mm-hmm. So there shouldn't be um, a de facto primary caregiver. There, you know, there, there shouldn't be, well, because you're the chick or you're the dude, you do this, you do this, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, you know, if we want to change the rules, you got to change them across the board. So my hope is that, you know, any, any big company or small company, and actually my company has been fantastic. I've watched them be extraordinarily supportive of a couple of women that I've worked with who have had children. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not just in making accommodations, but making it, completely acceptable and encouraged and like almost forced to take advantage of this time mm-hmm. and do the things you need to do. Because I think where we struggle, whether it's maternity leave or vacation, which I know are two very, you know, different, yeah. different topics, mm-hmm. but you know, if your boss is kind of still emailing you when you're out, well, okay, I guess, I guess the message, the message is I still need you to be available even yeah. when you're on vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you, you really have to change the culture to say, you know, if you're off, you're off, you're not mm-hmm. here right now. And that's what we want for you. We need you to go and check out and be with your family so that you will be a better teammate when you return to us. Exactly. Instead of being like sort of half in, half out. I mean, that's, that's, the, the major overarching problem. And I see that nationally, you know, the friends that I've had who've lived overseas are like, yeah, this isn't a thing. And <laughs> certainly not in Europe, but, but it is certainly here. But I will say, you know, just across the board, some of the most lethal women in mm-hmm. this industry, they're single moms, two kids under 10. And they, right. I mean, they might not always have their hairbrush, but God, <laughs> I would not want to stand in their way because they are amazing right. at what they do and studs, they get it right? all done. Total studs. Savages. Yep. All right, give us three things that as women in this industry, we can take away and make actionable that we can do better because it's not just a man keeping us down. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I would argue that nobody's keeping us down. We tend to get in our own way. How do we fix that? Three things, actionable things. I I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of one stop using the phrase feminism. Yes, stop <laughs> using that. I mean, it, it kind of is. You know, those those two those two big swaths. I mean, it's it's don't be that 
don't be a bitch. Like, don't be, <laughs> don't be mean to people for the sake of HBIC being mean. HBIC syndrome. Just don't like why you don't have to talk down to people. Like Correct. there's no, there's no reason to be mean. And that applies to men. And I know that everybody goes, Oh, well, if anyone can be a bitch, you know, anybody like, don't do that. Don't like do the hoe bag thing and the, the bat your eyes. And like, I'm going to use my feminine wiles to get ahead. Like stop, <laughs> stop seeing no that. No fake eyelashes. No. Yeah. Don't <laughs> just stop, stop seeing that as, as, as a professional quality mm-hmm. and, and really just try to learn more. I mean, that, yeah. and this is, I mean, I'm summarizing the things I've said, which is cheating by the way, <laughs> for those of you but future it, podcasters, but away. that's, that's, those are, those are the three things like come in the room willing to ask questions and to learn and, and I promise you that earns you the respect mm-hmm. way beyond any of these other like short-term gratification things. And that, that's, that's what I've seen work for people. It's what's worked for me. <laughs> and, and I would hope that it would take people very far. So finish this out for us book, podcast, or other resource. Cause you are always listening. You are always reading. You are always looking for that next thing to get you ahead. Mm-hmm. So I know you gave us some last time. What so, so my current book of the week is um, Atul Gawande, and he wrote two that I love. Um, one that's called so this guy's a doctor. He's like you want to talk about a stud. Like <laughs> he's like raised like seventeen kids. I actually think like three. But what? No, nah, yeah, but he's like raised a family. Um, he he he's a professional author. He's okay. well published, and he's also um, and I think he's oh, I'm going to say this wrong. He he's a he's a surgery specialist. He's a he's a uh, He's an oncologist, so he he specializes in is in a, he specializes in a certain type of cancer surgery. That's endocrinology. Cool. Endocrinology. That might be it. Yeah, That's yeah, it. Yeah. So anyway, so he's just a brilliant human being. He mm-hmm. talks a lot about social science, but he's written three, maybe four books. One that I love is Complications. Complications um, that I read a while ago, and it talks about how medicine is a practice, and it terrifies you if you're going in for any medical thing. And then the one I'm working on is the Checklist Manifesto. Checklist which is, Manifesto. Yeah, Checklist I Manifesto. Like that title. It's beautiful, and it actually he he's, he talks about pilots, and it's it's sort of saying. And our industry could learn from this. It's talking about um, these super specialized um, disciplines mm-hmm. and how it's impossible for any one person to keep all these things in their brain mm-hmm. and how how pilots and now doctors have started to utilize really simply simple things like checklists to take them through the steps so that you don't forget, you know, put the IV here, put the thing here, put the da 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 And so it's, it's sort of applying some really beautifully simple technology to really complex, like, noodle bending stuff so and it's really well written it's a great read so i highly highly recommend fabulous well thank you so much for tackling this controversial but necessary and crucial conversation of feminism in the field and firm we can all benefit i think it's something that constantly needs to be put out there and something that we are not afraid to discuss because it applies across the board so thank you so much for your time this evening thank you so much for having me well damn straight there is no crying in the oil field amanda rebel is a stud and a rising titan and i cannot thank her enough for her perspective on feminism in the field short recap remove it Things are getting punchier here on The Crude Audacity, so if you have any thoughts or questions, go ahead and shoot them over to me. Proud to be Oilfield, proud to be an engineer. As y'all know, 2020 is going to be a killer year, and there is a lot to do. So head on over to the website at www.thecrudeaudacity.com to check out upcoming events, sponsorship opportunities, and what is happening around the oil patch. Hold on, one more thing before you go. If today's episode brought you any sort of value, go online, rate, review, subscribe. 
Also, if you have any topics or influencers you would like us to feature, you can get in touch with us via Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or the website at www.thecrudeaudacity.com. Thanks so much for your engagement, and until next week, give them hell.